Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to 250, your weekly IMDb Top 250 Movies podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Babu. I'm Andrew. I'm Graham. I'm Grace. I'm Niall. I'm Jake. I'm Philip. I'm Alex. I'm Marianne. I'm Tony. And this week, because it's our one year anniversary, uh, we're doing something a little bit special. We thought that we'd take a break from the format where we traditionally discuss one of the Top 250 Movies of all time, invite all our former guests back, and basically talk a little bit about the IMDb as it stands, because we figure we've talked about 50 movies to this point. Uh, you can hear myself and Andrew talk for 85 hours and two minutes, about 13.6% wow. of the list. Heaven help us. And point of statistics along the way. So we thought we'd open it up. Uh, when we started the podcast, we joked, uh, half-jokingly, um, that when we have guests on, myself and Andrew are the two least qualified people in the podcast, so we have a bunch of very, very smart people in the room here. And what we thought we'd do is we'd open it up and ask... A set of four questions just about the list and sort of go around the room and get some sort of opinions on this. We managed to get most of our guests. Uh, missing, unfortunately, is John Haney, uh, who talked to us about Logan, and Giovanna Rampazzo, the um, leading Irish expert in Indian cinema. However, we did manage to get a great panel together, including uh, one of our guests who's calling from overseas, uh, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hello, Darren. Congratulations on uh, a year of the 250. It's, uh, it's a brilliant podcast. So, first question is, of the 250 movies... Currently ranked in IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. What is your favourite? So we're going to start with Tony. How would you like to take that one? Okay, well, that's a that's a big it's a big question. Um, I'm I'm going to choose uh, after a lot of deliberation because there are some great ones. Um, I'm going to choose Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think is going to be mine. That's an interesting choice because most people would say Raiders. I think. Yeah, they, yeah, they. I know, and and do you know what the the inner movie critic knows that it's Raiders <laughs> you know I, I'm, I'm aware that Raiders is the best one I, I know that um but Last Crusade was the one I grew up watching and I, I genuinely think it's brilliant anyway I think I think it's got a great script I think it's directed really well I think there is almost not no better duo than Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in that film I, I think the action sequences are great. I think the, the the score by John Williams is is beautiful. I just love it, and it's one of those films that I can just quote. I just, I can just you know I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne, you know all that stuff, right? I just know it inside out, and uh, I just adore it. I just think it's wonderful action adventure cinema. Uh, so does anybody else want to go or jump in, Graham? Because you've caught my eye. <laughs> Don't I always? <laughs> yeah, that's it's not. Good sign that I don't know Are which one know? it is. That's the Sean Connery one. Oh, it's the Sean Connery one? It's yes. The uh, yeah, okay, as, as, as from sheer level of banter, uh, yeah, it's probably the best one. I mean, you know, you don't have the Muff uh, dialogue with Shia LaBeouf, but uh, it's good. I was more wondering what your favourite was. Oh, my favourite! Right, <laughs> sorry! Probably no. Uh, no. You're looking around this, Jared. My favourite, from what I've seen, um, your name. Of uh, all time, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm very, I'm very up and down with my lists. Uh, Controversial, right? Thank you. It's not going to end. Uh, I really, really enjoyed your name. It's one of the most unique films, I think, on the 250. That doesn't involve uh, Christopher Nolan and anyone else uh, from the from the West. So it's nice to see um, a film like that. Also, it's one of the rare films there that has only been out maybe a year and it's already getting remade. (laughs) (laughs) Getting remade by uh, American um, studios. Also, it's now the highest grossing anime film of all time, beating uh, Spirited Away, which I myself couldn't believe. I still say uh, House of Castle is better than Spirited Away, but I'm in the minority there. 
Uh, I just, I really love the story to your name. Uh, I love the animation. The whole thing, it's just, it's, it's a grand uh, romance tale, and I absolutely uh, adore it. So has anybody God, what's wrong? actually Nothing. seen your name? Because it hasn't been released. I've seen, seen, your, I've seen your It name. was released here. It was shown here. Yeah. That's how I got to see it. Did Japanese fans just throw us up in there? I don't in think the it was... Ju- not I think it was a special screening. Yeah, um, it was in the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah but it was in the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Access Cinema brought... Not, yeah, but not just to here. It was yeah. also elsewhere. In the oh, country. yeah. I really, really like this. Uh, your name but I just felt it was so long especially at the end and there's something sort of I find so alienating about Japanese animation in particular because they have these like use of music or something they sort of like play these big long illustrious songs Mm. and I just find that kind of alienating when you're kind of into it and you're getting on and then it's like oh here's a you know at a crucial juncture in the film we're just going to play a long slow song and have like a montage are you a fan of anime? um no. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is such an interesting point because it's such a trope of yeah. that genre of film and it always makes me wonder, does Western film have tropes that make audiences from other regions go, yeah. oh, like, why would they throw that in here at this like crucial moment or whatever? Why it is. is that old man with that young woman? <laughs> <laughs> why is the father absent in this Spielberg film? <laughs> but I, I loved your name and I think the length of it was actually really necessary yeah. because I loved that it sets itself up as this kind of like Freaky Friday rom-com scenario mm. and then without giving anything away, gets really dark yeah. sort of about the midway point and yeah I just thought it was fantastic yeah. and I'm really glad that it's holding its spot and very high yeah. as well like yeah. it's, uh, I believe it's 83 like that's a wow. that's a good number yeah yeah it, it's precarious. higher than Dunkirk it's a prime <laughs> really Kel <laughs> surprise yeah. um, alright so it won't be the first time we talk about Christopher Nolan <laughs> oh it won't be the last time I but, he, but he owns the IMDb as far as I understand it I haven't seen your name but I like that it's another who's on first movie it's like <laughs> thing or ish your name <laughs> it's like I really love your name oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Grace if you had to pick your favourite film on the 250 uh, well, my actual favorite film is on the 250, so I can name it. It's Gone with the Wind. Wow. So, nice. Yes, Gone with the Wind is a pinnacle of everything that was possible with cinematic, well, with filmmaking, I suppose, back in the day. It is a glorious film, just beautiful in every way, except maybe for the troubling racial subtext. But um, even, even with that there, I'd argue it's a very necessary inclusion as an example of how those sort of politics were explored at the time. Um, and I suppose in that sense, it's a historical artifact that deserves to be preserved. But um, also, yeah, just from a cinematic point of view, I mean, if you take into account the year that it was made and some of the um, set pieces and the filmmaking used is just extraordinary to think of what was achievable at the time. And given it was a troubled production as well, given mm-hmm. that they had to change director and it was, you know, and the length of it as oh. well was just extraordinary, you know. And then it was, the, it, I mean, if you take it into the non-adjusted inflation inflation-adjusted things, it's by far and away the best damn gross, yeah, highest grossing film yeah. of all time. Because mm-hmm. like, they brought it back consistently, time and time again, they would play it throughout the, the generation. So it's it's something that's, it's a movie that's very alive with cin- with cinema throughout mm-hmm. the ages. It kind of what? plays like a Disney film, doesn't it? The way you can bring it back like that. You know the way yeah. you can kind mm-hmm. of yeah. pull Disney films out of it. It's a prime crowd pleaser. But well. what I found interesting is, um, uh, I was reading an article about Psycho for college this past year, and um, I think it was the composer um, being interviewed, but he made the point that honestly had never occurred to me before, that films like that back in the day were not made to be seen 
not maybe not more than once but you know like they didn't have home cinema then they didn't have like videos and, and so on and so forth so when people went to see things after a certain point they only expected to see them once or twice yeah. so if you think about something mm -hmm. like Gone with the Wind the way it was brought back 50 years later 75 years later that still had that enduring power without having the benefit for a long time of being able to watch it religiously at home if that's what you were into it was that kind of resurgence um, recently didn't it um, when you say research, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Might be the word to use. Yeah. It, it actually climbed up the yeah, uh, the charts after Charleston, which was kind of worrying. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a correlation there or a causation, but I remember recording the week after. At least none that can be proved anyway. Yeah, but, and seeing it climb the list and being like, okay, this is what's happening. Charleston, North Carolina. Yeah. It, it was Charlottesville. It's, it's not as popular as the Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. It was also the week the general climbed one as well. Oh, it's for, your, for your full Confederate cinematic. No, in fairness, though, there is a kind of conversation around, particularly you get the D.W. Griffith conversations in terms of um, the birth of the nation. The birth of the nation and stuff. I mean, they're historical artifacts first. And then, like, I mean, there's obviously issues with this issue of Comet Wind. It was one of my mother's favourite films. So we would have watched it a lot when I was younger, uh, Comet Wind. And. Like, I didn't really see the issues when I was younger because, you know, ignorance is that kind of thing. But when you get older and you kind of watch it, it's like, you have to kind of separate it a little bit. Like, you can't dismiss something. And there is, I had seen talk of it online about kind of dismissing films that have issues that are obviously more relevant now and today. But you can't dismiss them. I mean, they have, they have cinematic importance and importance in culturally as well. Yeah, but sure. Yeah. If you look, look at something like Dumbo, which has got like oh, overly God. racist <laughs> crows in it, and I mean, lots of the early Disney films. I hate those overly racist <laughs> crows. That are worse crows, like the honestly. The crows themselves that are racist. No, 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 no. no the crows, the crows, <laughs> the water. You want some new gin? Yeah, Jim yeah, Crow. crow. Yeah. You want yeah. a crow that's just the right amount of racism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time I've gotten the Jim Crow. Right. <laughs> also, also, I found out played by a white guy. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That's not particularly surprising. No. Yeah. Oh. Did, I wouldn't have imagined many black lads were allowed into Disney in that day. No, because <laughs> no, Walt himself was not the you know. I, I but he's Tom Hanks. Just the Jews. Which may be a recurring theme. But it's not the, the, the notion. You're going to edit around this. Right? <laughs> Walt, Walt had trouble in politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, on that note, Niall. <laughs> 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 what is that note? Mainly because you were talking there and I needed my oh, segue. Yeah. Uh, what? I hear you're a racist now. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite movie? Well, I'm going to go back to one where people get to beat Nazis. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hey. <laughs> so, two indie films for three years. Yeah. Uh, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favourite film of all time, and so it is on the list, which is uh, just a brilliant uh, happenstance. But I, I'm going to circle back to uh, the other one. Because The Last Crusade, one of the great things about all Spielberg films deal with the concept of an absent father or the, the marital breakup or something. Familiar. Yeah, yeah. Last Crusade is one of the very few where the kid gets to confront the father over his absence. And yeah. so, and that's, and that's one of the, the great things about it, they, that they they have to get, they have to well, come to terms. he processes through all those. Yeah, exactly. There's a great story about Spielberg doing Close Against the Third Kind where he didn't realize until the 90s that his story was about his father was a piano fixer, a musician, yeah. and his mother was a scientist, I believe. And in at the end of Closing Down to the Third Kind, scientists use music, they use the famous five-note scale mm. in order to communicate with aliens. And it wasn't until the 90s 
when somebody explained this to Spielberg that he realized, <laughs> oh. That means I'm conscious. What the hell are you doing to me? Yeah, maybe still not over my parents' divorce. Yeah. Um, but Raiders has the has a timeless quality to it because it, it it is essentially a B movie but made like a movie two, standards. Yeah, made to the absolute max, and it was it was a test for him to see if he could do a film on budget or under budget under time after the colossal disaster that was 1941 so it so he was under extreme pressure and it wasn't working out for him they he, having to, to film in the heat and all the rest and he still delivered a timeless classic which is the same thing that he had done with jaws where he was under extreme pressure nothing was working out for him and he delivered a timeless classic so the thing is give spielberg less <laughs> and you get more yeah, exactly. put him under pressure put him under extreme pressure and then you're laughing you know but it gave us one of cinema's great iconic figures as yeah. well. I mean, that's the thing. Within the space of a few years, you had Harrison Ford give cinema two of its finest <laughs> figures. It's just amazing. that. And who didn't love Witness? And Witness. <laughs> which, which is on the Leaving Cert curriculum. Good, good. Wow. As it should be. I think I did it. Is it still on there? Uh, yeah, probably. I believe it is. With Cinema Paradiso. We had, oh, we, we had books in my day. <laughs> is this last crew said that um, I think Tom Stoppard helps kind of write on the script and if you and if you watch the movie he also worked on the Bourne Ultimatum oh yeah let's set the bar here which is on the list it is it is god help us all we'll get to that (laughs) speaking of getting to that uh, Jay your favourite film on the list well interesting well the thing of it is right the the I mean, well, the qualifiers are coming in already. No, 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 no. I'd like the, my favorite, like, pretty much anybody would know what my favorite is on this it's list. Okay. It's like Logan. But, but it kind of changed over the year, the last few years, like, and it, uh, the kind of number one film of all time or ever has kind of shifted all over the place in the way that it should do in some ways, I think, depending on mood and wherever. But mm. my, I used to always go back to Rage of Bull because that was my favorite film for a long time when I was younger. And... Because in that kind of way you grow up, particularly guys do, I think, with the kind of Scorsese influences and kind of, you know, without really understanding any of it, just like, ooh, violence. And it has that kind of thing. So I remember, See also Fight Club. See also number, Fight Club, yeah. And it's interesting, Fight Club's an interesting touchstone in that regard because when I saw Rage Bull first, I would have been probably about 18, 19, and I was like, hey, the boxer, hey, why do people just give him something? Because you know he's you know he's just trying to be a boxer, and, <laughs> and it's like raging bull, the story of yeah, people not just not, trying to be what he wants. No, yeah, and people just keep holding them back. Self-actualization. But it is. But it. But I recently rewatched uh, as a flimsiest excuse that Jake Lamotta died. Who was an asshole, by the way. But you know. That's a story from nothing. You bleep that out, can't you? Um, but that's I, not the worst word you've said so no. far. No. <laughs> okay. We. So I rewatched it, and it, I've I've seen it about fifteen times. I'd say few times in the cinema so I rewatch it and as a measure of toxic masculinity it is astounding of how awful these people are and Scorsese's kind of reading of that of like put a camera on them showing them as like just stunted children in man's clothing like and they're and it's like it's beautifully filmed as you'd expect the music is fantastic the acting is we all know the De Niro kind of stuff but Joe Pesci is fantastic. Caddy Moriarty is fantastic. It, it's a like it's a glorious film. It's very moving. It's very weird. It gets weirder and weirder as it, as it goes on because yeah. you get to the kind of tail end. Yeah, it gets yeah. seedier and it gets 
sadder and it like that, that's kind of my takeaway from i suppose the last watch it's a, it's a it's a profoundly sad experience like and a sad excuse for a life and i know jake about lived till 90 people oh yeah it's great you live like but he was an awful person and i don't know if, <laughs> I, I don't know if he has the real if he had sex self-actualization about how awful he was and apparently even beyond the film, no, that he was, yeah. the no, 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 it doesn't because yeah, no. there's a lot worse yeah. than that in in his yeah. life. But okay. if, but the film would suggest that he's yeah he doesn't really he doesn't get it that he still thinks at the end that it, like nothing yeah nothing like it's just being he's, beaten down like and it's like you're the worst person <laughs> like the absolute worst person. I'd like I'd like but to I, hear the cable version of it where it's like. Do you block my chicken? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's Scarface, right? Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. This whole town is a chicken just waiting to get plucked. Yeah. Uh, should be, there should be the TV versions of everything, shouldn't there, really? Fun you, Melon Farmer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kimo Sabi. But uh, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of amazing still, and I'm glad it holds up, because I was, I was starting to kind of somewhat lose its grip to me. But it, 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 it's a fantastic film, and really, really important, I think, particularly now with the kind of the kind of aggressive loud male voices that you get yeah and particularly on this list in particular i think which we made well yeah 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 speaking of which (laughs) (laughs) speaking of male voices um (laughs) Um, your favorite film on the list male voices that's not often i'm accused of that what day of the week is it because it usually depends what my favorite film is there's a few things i could go for and i went through the list kind of agonizing over it but in the end i am going to go with one of america's prime chroniclers of male angst and just uh, their struggle with identities it's uh, heat michael mann good choice thank you very much uh, i love that ripple of approval that's, <laughs> that's, that's why we do this live um, everyone's <laughs> trying to think of something to say to contradict that and be like damn i can't say anything about heat uh, <laughs> <laughs> i must cough except for jay is yeah. sitting right next to phil looking very shifty for a while. <laughs> jay you had your moment <laughs> he'll have it but, Eh? What? Guess what Jay is taking off the list. <laughs> uh, I adore Heat because to me it is the ultimate blend of cinematic style with uh, character in that it's a gorgeous looking and sounding film but as well as that between the performances that initial frisson of seeing Pacino and De Niro together gives way to the, the wonderful performances from every member of the supporting cast it slowly builds into this portrait of two people who much as they might try to deny it they are two sides of the same coin law and order versus this career criminal it's it's a cop versus robbers drama that you think you've seen so many times over but it's so much more than that it's just a, a wonderful experience of just how cinema and style can uh, bring can actually show character and development oh no oh just uh, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you oh yeah it's just you know that it was remade you it was originally a tv LA LA takedown yeah. that's right it, that um, was a trial run he had this script in man had written the script many years before he made la takedown as like a trial run that was out in 89 so it would have been after miami vice before he got to make like the likes of last one Mohican. yeah so uh, i actually haven't seen la takedown in a long time it, it's Passable. I mean, it's got the bare bones structure, but it's got the TV. Yeah, it, that's the thing. It is. It was made for TV movie, but um, no. I mean, it's literally got the same with the TV. Right? Oh, that's right. We yeah. kicked it out of the car. That's true. Uh, but uh, Heat is uh, just taking that and refining it and polishing it and 
it's it just dazzles me every time I see it. And it's got a great cast. <laughs> and you got your head all the way up. <laughs> that was probably very loud. That's it, it all right. Was, it's it always was, loud when it's Al Pacino. We were doing Scarface recently. <laughs> and before recording the podcast, we were, we were like, who? No, lower, lower. Ooh. Yeah, that's mine. So, Alex, if you sure. had to pick one. Um, like Phil, it's sort of hard to go through this list, which, I mean, we'll all get into about how this list is formed, and you guys obviously talk about it a bit. There's a, a few films on here that I, I, I love. You know, I love Silence of the Lambs. I love Rear Window. But the one that I, I kind of go back to and I, I can't get away from is Jurassic Park. Because I think... Spielberg makes an appearance again! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, time. I think the, the problem is, and, and I don't know if the guys who picked Indiana Jones was the same, but he was sort of so fundamental to like the basis of me liking films. That that mm. like experience of going along to Jurassic Park... And I actually... I always remember because I was far too young when Jurassic Park came out um, to the point where I was so stupid. I grew up in Canada. I thought that... Uh, <laughs> That's not an stupid explanation of why you're... Let him finish. I want to see where this goes. <laughs> what I was going to say is, in Canada, the marketing um, for Jurassic Park did, was actually didn't give a whole lot of details away about the plot. It just sort of said things like, it's coming, opening this day, that kind of thing. So as a small child, I actually thought Jurassic Park was a real park. So, this is the thing. So my dad comes back from a business trip and says, you know, he's gone to Jurassic Park and I'm staring in wide-eyed wonder as he recounts the plot to me. But what really gets me is when I eventually did see it, I wasn't that disappointed that it wasn't real. It was so good. It was so, like, it's sort of one of those films that takes you there and it's sort of simple looking back and, and it's, it's, it's not super clever, you know, it's based on a very clever central conceit and then the rest of it is just well made. It's a bunch of Brighton book, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think what, what I really love about it and what I always defend about it is that, that sense of wonder. It sort of takes that sense of wonder that they all have about dinosaurs mm. and it manages to do that for a film. And I think particularly, and everyone sort of talks about how that was a moment where people like James Cameron and Peter Jackson were sort of sitting in cinemas and thinking, oh, look, they have dinosaurs in the computer. We, I can do Lord of the Rings. I can do Avatar. I can do all these things. And it was this genesis of this whole different wave. But I actually go back and just look at that film as a story. It's fantastic. It's simple. It's clear cut. But it takes you there. And that, similar to what you were saying, um, Grace, about Gone with the Wind sort of being a spectacle. Mm-hmm. I think that's true of Jurassic Park. And that always sort of gets me for Jurassic Park. Can I chime in about Jurassic Park, actually? Sure. Just what you say about it being a formative cinematic experience for you. Whenever people ask, like, what's the first film I remember seeing in the cinema, mine is always Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's yeah. the first time I remember being, like, terrified. Yeah. I was yeah. going to swear I didn't. <laughs> and I'll do it. Make a change. <laughs> it's the first time I remember being really terrified, but um, also loving every minute of it. Because I think I was about five, had no idea what was going on, but just no, thought it was exactly. amazing. A lot of people are going to have that story yeah. about mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Yep. And I think that's, and, and sort of whenever I think about, oh, like, oh, but Rear Window is fantastic. Oh, and Silence of the Lands is fantastic. Yeah. I can't get away You think about the thing from, that makes you exactly. love cinema. And uh, it, yeah. for me, it's Jurassic Park. So that's mm-hmm. why that would be my selection. My favorite thing about Jurassic Park was that while he was editing it, he was stu- seeing the dailies from Schindler's List. So oh. 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 He, he earned that Oscar. Yeah. That's so tough. He was dual working on like he was working on both films at the same time while so while he was shooting Schindler's List, he was editing Jurassic Park. He must have been so happy one day and very sad the next. Yeah. That's I always like yeah. the story about um they originally were using models for like the velociraptors and like sort of stop motion animation and things. 
and he kind of just like asks the CGI guys, oh, see what you can do with this, you know, new fangled computer <laughs> stuff. And uh, there's a line in the film when they like say to the paleontologist, oh, those dinosaurs are back. I guess that means you're out of the job. And Ian Malcolm with Jeff Goldblum says, don't you mean extinct? And everyone laughs. But apparently that was based on the stop motion guys seeing the dailies of the CGI stuff. And one of them being like, we're out of the job. And someone else then saying, don't you mean extinct? Because the dinosaur, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because dinosaurs. (laughs) That is all you need. So, Marianne, what would be your favorite film on the list? Um, So, I guess... um, obligatory ramble about how it's difficult to choose one yeah. because there's a lot of movies on yeah. it. Um, 250 would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> the whole 250 movies. But um, I think ultimately when it came to picking my favourite, my reasoning was kind of similar to Alex's and that I was thinking like, what is the movie on this list that kind of gave me a genuine sense of just wonder and kind of sparked you know, my interest in cinema, like in a direction that maybe I never otherwise would have gone in. And that movie is 100% spirited away. Mm. So, I mean, and this like set me down the route of watching literally every single Studio Ghibli movie I could find. But I think spirited away, what it is about it for me that makes it so special and that makes it Hayao Miyazaki's masterpiece is that there are images in that movie that just don't leave you like some of the most genuinely evocative beautiful imagery that kind of will come back to me at weird moments when i'm not thinking about anything else is in that movie and i also think that one of the most powerful things that any piece of media can do is invoke an entire world within a kind of circumscribed story and particularly in film this is difficult because you're kind of working within two hours three hours max to make this happen and spirited away is a movie where there's quite a lot of unity of place like they don't move around much in this world but you still get this sense of this entire universe that's kind of like just beyond the boundaries like at the end of this train line and i think that's really powerful and it's something i mean Obviously, like uh, uh, one of the big comparisons is that it's an Eastern Alice in Wonderland. But I think if there is going to be a comparison between those things, the way that it invokes this world is absolutely what ties those two things together. The idea that this goes far, far beyond the bounds of the movie. And that is, I think, ultimately what makes it my favourite. Okay, cool. And then finally, Babu. What is your favourite movie on the 250 as it stands? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't really look at the list, but thankfully... (laughs) (laughs) Very honest. Thankfully, my favourite movie is actually on this list, and it requires no explanation. It's Casablanca. Oh. (laughs) That's it, really. (laughs) Short and sweet. I I like the sort of murmur of agreement from the room, and that's that's it. It doesn't require any explanation, yeah. And you know why. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, that's the nice, pleasant, fun part of the evening over and done with, because now we get to the really easy part. And now we're going to kill each other. If you could take one movie off the 250, what would you take off? And then, because obviously it's the 250, you need to add another movie in, what would you add in in its place, and why? So, Tony. Well, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I, when I looked through the list, the, one of the ones that leapt out at me very quickly is Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the Curse of the Black Pearl, 
Um, now, you, now I know everyone thinks that Pirates is is the best one, is the best film, right, of the Black Pearl. But I don't think there is a best Pirates film, to be honest. I, th- I think they're all pretty poor. And and I remember, I, I think I liked Black Pearl when I first watched it years and years ago, probably when it came out. I thought it was pretty good. I've since watched it again, and though it's not nearly as bad as the rest of them. I it, not counting Salazar's Revenge because I haven't watched that yet. Good call, or, or maybe never, ne- maybe never will. Um, but it, I, I watched it again. I just still, I still found it boring. I still found it pretty just plodding. I don't think it has any place in the top two fifty films ever made, even remotely. So yeah, that one's going um, because I just can't be doing with pirates. Instead, and again, <laughs> I laboured long and hard about this, and I've got to go for another Spielberg because one of the films i think is massively underrated almost always and i think deserves a place in this is spielberg's first major movie which is duel Ah, i I like that i considered putting duel on um which was 1971 where dennis weaver plays a a salesman who is menaced by a truck based on a richard matheson short story um from uh, just before that and it's it was originally a tv movie that was then given an international release um when they realized it was fantastic but it is... And it is. It really, really is. Yeah. It's about... Yeah, it's so good. It's about 80 minutes of just pure adrenaline. And it was the first film when I was a child that scared the living daylights out of me. Um, because the truck in that... There, there are not many better movie monsters than the truck in Duel for me. Sounds amazing. Yeah. It's great. It got him Jaws, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and the rest is history. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> wonder so, what became of him. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind then, Graham... Don't worry now, I'm not actually going to say that. That was just a personal choice. Oh, okay? Right. I wasn't, I'm not actually going to say that film. Okay. But, no, uh, I not know what it no, is now. No, no, Because uh, <laughs> this whole room would erupt into anger and rage at me. Um, so I looked at the list. <laughs> it might. If I said what my original choice was, it might. Uh, all centering around Phil, I think. I take off Django Unchained. I think it's a great film. But honestly, I enjoyed the first half. And weirdly... When Leonardo DiCaprio's part comes in, the film goes goes down for me. I don't know why. Um, I've watched it repeatedly, and so I decided that would be the one I took off. Oh. And the one that I would replace it with is um, The War for the Planet of the Apes that just recently came out. Because I felt, maybe not necessarily in the same place, but I am so deeply disheartened that um, there's no appreciation for anything for that film. You also owe me a milkshake, Graham. I know I owe you a goddamn milkshake. I know. But if this had happened, I wouldn't. For listeners, Graham made a bet with me that War for Planet of the Apes would make it onto the list. Yeah. It didn't. (laughs) So his choice here may in some way be influenced by that side. I just just think it's the perfect culmination of the hero's journey. Um, You're watching Caesar from basic basically infancy at the first one you see basically the beginning of a legend that's alluded to later on in the films that were in the 1960s 60s. yeah 60s and also the performances um from everyone across the boards uh circus i don't think has ever been better in in this one film it's 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 a lot more intellectual than you're led to believe um, and the trailers even lead you to believe because you think that it's going to be a full-on war, but it's not. It's it's. Whoa! whoa. I know, right? And this is a selling point. Yes. It's just spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> but it is a spoiler. 
what would you call it? It's not War of the Planet of the Apes. Battle of the Apes. Battle for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> they already did that one. Yeah, yeah they did, yeah. I know. Skirmish. War, War of the Apes for the Planet of the Human. Yeah. <laughs> Malay for the Planet of the Apes. But it's just, I found it, it's... Backroom brawl. It no, like, Darren, you, Darren you'd know. It didn't even get put on it. At all? No. No. You sound no. so personally. He did. I'm really annoyed like, that I missed out happen? on this milkshake because I would have gotten a milkshake instead. So your choice is purely personal. No, Let's clarify no. this. I just, I really liked it. I'm surprised that none of the Planet of the Apes films are on this. The, not the originals. The original one made it. Dawn made it for a couple of weeks. Oh, really? But Rise didn't. And what? War didn't. War should have. I, I really think it's just it's the, perfect, it's the perfect it's the perfect it's the perfect end to it's possibly the perfect end to a franchise because who knows it might go on again um, it it's the perfect it's it's just the perfect uh, kind of story to tell about a character we've grown we've watched grow up and I always love those kind of stories when you watch a hero grow and you see him from infancy and you see him in adulthood and all that and uh, yeah I just also think they're pioneering a new type of um, a new, a new type of art with performance capture and I just think because maybe not everyone in maybe the academy and in other areas of film media it wasn't properly appreciated for what it's doing and that's why I think it should be on the list I had another choice but I'm not going to say what it is because I think that'll kill me gonna hold us <laughs> he won't be the only one um, so Grace Right. Well, I, I considered taking Django off as well, but yeah. not because uh, just because it's a bad movie. But, um, <laughs> it's like not it good. But Darren instead, I, I went back and forth on, on which of these two to take off, but neither of them should really be on this list. But on the basis that um, Interstellar is at least visually okay, um, I will take <laughs> Inception off the list because it Jeez, should not be on there. Like, Inception is fine, but it's really stupid. It doesn't need to be in the top <laughs> 150. Like, it's that not. That's the best Nolan moment uh, I've ever once, heard. Once you get over, like, the visual conceit and everything else, and I suppose the novelty of it at the time, there's nothing really going for it. Other than that, it gave us all Tom Hardy to a mass audience, I guess. And so. It is 14, I believe, isn't it? To be yeah, just pretty yeah. high up there. It's way too Jesus. high. But anyway, I, I, would, <laughs> I would replace it with Daughters of the Dust by Julie Dash, which if you haven't seen, it's on Netflix, so you don't have an excuse. It's a really beautiful, poetic film, very atypically structured, um, thematically very compelling and very haunting, um, and it tells uh, a story that I would argue is very worthwhile and very rarely heard, which is about, well, I suppose the, the storyline's quite specific. It's about um, a group of African-Americans who are descended from a group of slaves on an island off the coast of North or South Carolina, I can't remember which, but essentially they're pondering um, emigration to the mainland of the US and in so doing essentially abandoning a lot of their old customs and ways of life and things that would have come down from their ancestors. So it's really, um, it's really moving in that regard. But then also, I suppose from a cultural point of view, it is of historical import in that it was the first film directed by an African-American woman that was theatrically released in the States. So it should be in this list. Did Beyonce <laughs> refer to it as Lemonade or something? Yes, it was yeah. heavy, heavy inspiration for Lemonade too. I like that that's out yeah, of <laughs> I've heard Lemonade. Again, Matt's yeah. audience, no excuse. I like how you did a little, yeah. little head thing there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me click and Z. Right, right then, so Nile. Yeah, I'm taking the help off the list because the help is a dreadful film. <laughs> you beat Darren oh, to us that. The, the help, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's near the, thankfully it's near the bottom, okay. hopefully it'll be gone very soon because Jesus, it's terrible. Um, 
<laughs> you don't need help. <laughs> the person who took him to the help, I'm guessing. Two forty. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. What's it higher than? Oh my God! It's higher than the Handmaiden. Oh it's my higher. God! It's higher than Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> it's higher than. Society for anyone who cares. Yeah, and, and all of the things that aren't on the list. Hey, it's right. higher than Pirates Caribbean. Yeah. Hey. So there is, yeah, it has got that going for it, but no, it's, oh, God, the help is a dreadful, dreadful film. Um, I, I am putting Bringing Up Baby on today. Because ah. it is the quintessential screwball comedy. It has a, a script that was specifically written for Catherine Hepburn, and she is excellent in it. And I mean, this is a multi-Oscar winning lady, but she is amazing in, that, in Bringing Up Baby. And just the cleverness of that script the to, for the pratfalls, for the the miscues, for the mistimings, to just to be able to put together that sort of a jigsaw and then film it and have it work as well as it does, it is an extraordinary film. And it's just it is a, it's a crime that it's not on the list. It is. All right then. With that in mind, then Jay, if you could take one film. Speaking off. of crime. Our segues are very disturbing. Our segues are awful. To be absolutely clear on this. So, what is your crime on the list, Jay? Excuse me. If you could pick only one. What is well, only I, one. I had a conversation with Darren earlier about I, on my lunch break today. I went through the whole two fifty and I marked out films on it that. I would consider for my 250 if I was putting the 250 together and I asked them to guess how many of the 250 would be in consideration for mine you guessed 105 Darren? I guess, I guess 105 because there are a lot of crime films on there Darren uh, you're a lot closer 58 <laughs> but, uh, so I could take off practically everything from this list <laughs> bar you know Whatever. Scorsese. Raging Bull. <laughs> no, no, I mean... The, the like Lion even, King. Even Raging Bull will get cut. Let's not pretend that this is a good list. So We're not. That. We're not. Whoa. It's a valuable <laughs> endeavor. It's a podcast based on it. I like right a podcast. <laughs> but, so, I, I toyed between a couple to come off. Uh, one of them was La La Land, but I left it alone. Even though I really, Look really wanted to take right it away. <laughs> But in the end, I chose Life is Beautiful because it's an atrocious film. And it comprehensively... Yeah, I thought you would have said something like Diesel after last night. No, no, no. This, the life, life is Beautiful is so offensive. It's so clumsy, clunky, and offensive in its making that it... I can only imagine, what's the Jerry Lewis film that's going to be... The Day the Clown. The It's going to be a subtle... Pride, yeah, I think it is. I think that's going to be a subtle masterpiece in compared to it when we eventually see it. But, but uh, the Holocaust is funny. No, it's not. It's, it's abhorrent. Not. It's, it's it is, it, and it won Oscars as well, which is even more absurd. I use up all of my English. Oh, I know, but happened. but this is. Yeah. This and is making just, the IMDb list. Indeed. So that's gone. What is it? Okay. Uh, What's it's in? Twenty-five. It's Twenty-five. And oh, it's wow. Like a, yeah, I like, that, I like that we're going high with our with our sort of take-offs. Yeah, okay. It's like 14 and 25. Right. In, in terms of going on, I, was, I kind of, I think about it today, and I got it down to two films, which, and it, it always does this, and so you have to pick one that's so excruciatingly annoying. Which, uh, so, which child is your favourite? I reluctantly left off Synetic in New York, even though I adore it. Um, but eventually I went for Elaine May's A New Leaf. And I, don't, I don't know if you had a thing where it had to go back on or whatever, but I don't care because you know. Um, but uh, a new leaf, I went to see it. I've seen it, but I went to see it with Philip when mm. we showed the late night films last year in the IFI. It's an astonishingly weird and funny film with the probably the best Walter Matthau performance you've never seen. It is incredible, and Lay is in it as well. She wrote it, she directed it. 
she is a, a great comic. She started off in the sixties and got a Woody Allen era kind of Rona Martin that kind of stuff like uh, as a comic. And her timing and the darkness in her jokes and the editing in the film is just it's it's it's, it's I watched all her films last year and they they blew me away like and I had a chat online today about kind of difficult directors and David Russell and all that kind of stuff. No, Elaine May was a difficult director. So basically, difficult in the sense that she wanted what she wanted. And she, after Ishtar, which was her last film, she didn't make another one, uh, which was, I think, 87. And, and all four of her films are great. Some, like two are absolute masterpieces, and two are excellent. So all worth uh, seeking out, but A New Leaf, astounding, that should be there. Okay, then. Phil, what would you take off and what would you put on? Um... It's hard to follow that because I did enjoy a new leaf event. You know, you've got me thinking about it. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, well, um, the film I take off. I feel like I'm not going a million miles off where uh, where Jay was, especially since we recently rewatched some of it. Uh, Cinema Paradiso. <laughs> it's a it's a cloying and sickly sentimental piece of crap. I'll put it this way: its central conceit is based around this uh, young kid who. Uh, Really, you're supposed to be kind of rooting for and thinking is cute. I want to punch the little brat in the face. You're a monster, sir, and I want to punch you in the face. Well, it's about time you realise I am a monster. <laughs> it's true. And like uh, it took the podcast about 30 minutes to get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> Seth and what Graham t- are going to gang up. <laughs> my, question, my only question is, what kept you? Uh, it's, uh, it's awful. It's despicably sentimental, which, uh, I mean, you can do emotion in film. It, it, but it takes a subtle hand to make it work. And this is just, it's it's pandering to the lowest common denominator of people going in and hoping you they'll just go aww at a pair of googly eyes it, it, I hate it I just, it's the worst it's the worst it's kind of emotionality you can't bear it stinks thank you Jay Sherman and um, I would repost its sickly sweetness with a prime slice of cinematic bitterness <laughs> I think I know what's going to Making yeah, the world know. literally a darker place. Uh, the, fil- the film I would put in is uh, Alexander McKendrick's Sweet Smell of Success. Uh, it's uh, Tony Curtis as a press agent trying to uh, make his way in the New York press scene with or without the help of uh, the of a gossip columnist, J.J. Hunsecker, which, is, which sees Burt Lancaster uh, creating one of cinema's purest, greatest, Bastards! He is phenomenal in this film, and it, you're basically watching uh, a little guy trying to make his way up a very sleazy, greasy ladder with the help of um, Satan himself, basically. And watching it is just seeing these people pile misery upon misery upon themselves, but with an absolutely dazzling script. Every word just. It, it drips with menace, with uh, with snideness, with just, everything about this film is so bitter and yet so immaculately made. Um, I feel like it encapsulates my worldview quite well. <laughs> so match me, Sydney. All right then. So Alex, if you could take one film off and put no. one film on, um, I just would agree about the sweet smell of because I didn't realize that was not on here. But it's despicable. It should it's be fantastic film, but. The film I'd remove is Requiem for a Dream. Controversial. Mm. I don't know if it is that controversial, because this is one where... (laughs) (laughs) Controversial. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because 
this is one that like everyone sort of talks about as this you know fantastic illustration of Darren Aronofsky and he's incredible and I think it's only recently people have started to realize he's not wearing any clothes you know in that sense of the like emperor's new clothes but he's <laughs> never really made great films he no, accidentally what? stumbled into a few fountain good ones Mother. I was going to say the the fountain is probably the only one I would like actually do like but mother no yeah. absolutely not <laughs> but I think Requiem for a Dream because Requiem for a Dream the it's the sort of like focus and, and, and the sort of like broad strokes and the sort of like I'm making something beautiful now I'm making something gritty and the lengths he sort of goes to sort of like show you look at how horrible this is <laughs> which is sort of topped off with the montage at the end where there's like a woman in the orgy she does not want to be in a man having his arm sawn off in prison and a woman losing her mind in her apartment and I remember watching this and thinking, you know, this is the kind of thing that if you gave a 14-year-old boy, uh, you know, a, the sort of money to make a film, he'd think, this is it. This is no, the most incredible film. That's punch. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably true as well. That's not in the 250, is But yeah. as a sort of, like, counter what I was saying about Jurassic Park, this is a hateful film. This this, <laughs> this shouldn't exist. You know, this is like a waste of everyone's time and <laughs> talent <laughs> and <laughs> money. And... Um, uh, yeah, I just, I really, like, uh, that's when I loathe, because I think it, it sort of somehow managed to get this, this, like, uh, association of, of talent and skill, and it's probably because the actors in it are actually quite good, Ooh. Jennifer Connelly's a great actress, Ellen Burstyn's fantastic and actress. And Jared Leto is. Jared Leto's Joker. Or Marlon Wayans. It's one of them. It's, yeah, one of the Wayans brothers, but, yeah, um... Doing his best, I think. And, and they're all, like, trying, but it's, it's this, like... Really, and kind of what you were saying about that, that sentimentality. It's, it's like sentimentality with words. This is like sort of anti-sentimentality. This is like, I'm being horrible. I'm being gross. I'm going to make everyone watch it. And there's no, there's no point to it. It's just a sort of like rich white dude making a boring ass film. But it's horrible, and it shouldn't have been made. Are you sure you weren't watching Human Centipede? Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, that's kind of what I'd almost equated to. Except this, this is how we get to the thing he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> Part two, yeah. It's <laughs> not a monster. What I would put on is The Great Beauty, a Paolo Sorrentino film that I have noticed is not on the list for some reason. It's really fantastic, and I actually think that director... He, he doesn't, you know, some of them are swings and misses, but some of them are really fantastic. And for someone who, his films don't look like anyone else's. And I think in today where, you know, we've got Thor 3 coming out next week and you were talking about Indiana Jones 5 possibly and Blade Runner has got reanimated Harrison Ford, it's really fantastic <laughs> to see a director who you sort of almost can look at one of his, like, stills and think, oh, that's a Sorrentino film. That's, that's like looks like nothing else and it's so weird and so funny and I think the best encapsulation of his style and his humor and all that is The Great Beauty so it's one of my favorite films so I put it in here perfect alright with that in mind then Marianne if you could take one off and put one on okay so the one I'm going to take off I think is just incredibly non-controversial it's right down there at the bottom <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows hey. part 2 like it's what just it's a non-event of Harry's journey it's a non-event it's not even a film it's <laughs> not even a film I mean yeah absolutely like it Shame. is and but I do actually like even though it is such a non-film I bear it animosity because I mean the entire Harry Potter film franchise is such a cynical, like, money-making machine that came out of something that was, like, important to me as a child. <laughs> so I just don't want any acknowledgement of it on any list. 
But then when I was thinking about what I would replace it with, I mean, it seemed like kind of a tall order to be like, oh my God, literally any film. Uh, <laughs> like out of all of them. Harry so, Potter 7. What? <laughs> Harry Potter, Harry the Potter. prisoner of Azkaban, guys. Azkaban, yeah. No. Um, which is arguably like the strongest of that whole mess, but um, <laughs> you put your name in like my goblet, Harry. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. Um, now, what I would replace it with is I think actually like the opposite end of the spectrum of adaptations of children's books which is Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is one of my favorite films. It's it's really, obviously, it's Anderson, so it's like aggressively odd. Uh, obviously, it's stop motion. It's visually stunning. The soundtrack is incredible. Uh, but one of the things that I love most about it is that it is, you know, obviously there's already a name attached to it, like it's Roald Dahl. It is not... I mean, if you wanted to sort of make a commercially successful Fantastic Mr. Fox, this is not the direction you would go in. And I love that. And I also love that it's very much not the book while still being incredibly true to the spirit of the book. And I think it's a great film. And if we're going to have children's adaptations on this list, give me that over any of Harry Potter. Because we will. Until Peter Rabbit comes out next year. Oh, yeah. Who's making it? Who's James making Gordon. Gordon. James oh! Gordon. James Corden and Donald Gleeson oh, no. are in a film together, and Donald Gleeson's a human. Oh. And James Corden is a rabbit. Oh. The alternative is James Corden's the rabbit, the human, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think he is. The animated character All right, then. So, Babu, if you could take one film off the list, and if there's one film that you love that isn't on the list, what would it be? Uh, well... I think there's, there's two Guy Ritchie movies on there. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. But you have to pick one. Only uh, two. That's probably two <laughs> King more Arrogy. than it should be. So, um, yeah, I'll probably say Lock, Stock and Nothing Too Bad. I enjoyed the films, but I don't see the significance of watching a bunch of Londoners playing Cockney Geezer. Too real. I think that to add one, I mean, that there's already... Um, one of the, the trilogy on there already but I think Fistful of Dollars I'd love to see that on the list because mm. I think as a kid I was I think just like Casablanca in the way that it has a a leading character or the hero if you like or you know something that embodies something of the time and it was quite unusual you know um, he I mean it was it's a spaghetti western Fistful of Dollars it was made probably with very little money and um, it's a, an iconic character. It took Stephen uh, Clint Eastwood from being a TV star to becoming a movie star, and then later on becoming a really good director, I would think. Um, so yeah, I think in that respect, I would I would say Fistful of Dollars. But because every time I see it, I, I get excited. You know, it was when, when I was a kid. It was you'd wait till half past nine, and it would be on BBC One. It was like, no, Fistful of Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Yay again! So. Uh, yeah, and then I saw it on the big screen years later, and it was when I was doing studying film, and it was it was amazing. I, I really enjoyed it. So that would be the one that I would add. Uh, you know, anything with Guy Ritchie. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. No, no, he's a bad director. It's just. Man it's just not a good one. I like Man from Uncle. Me too. King Arthur is a dream. Me too. I quite enjoy King Arthur, despite its obvious yeah. terribleness. Yeah, me too. Can I just add as well, just a similar to a great saying about Thoughts of Dust, uh, a new leaf is on Netflix also. Oh, 
Oh, good. Okay. We took a look at the list as it was from, from beginning to end. The list as it existed since its inception in 1996, like the 250 as an institution. So what we thought we might do is because this is our one year anniversary and because we've been doing this a year, we've been covering like this just in on certain films. We sort of take a look at what's come in and what's gone out over the past year. And we'd ask basically our guests to pick one film that came in over the past year. Now, to be clear, it's got a, it's it's come in over the past calendar year, so from last October as opposed to from January. Um, and basically say of those, which one of those is your favorite? Which one absolutely deserves to be there? Um, and secondly, which one of them doesn't deserve to be there? And and what would you swap with it? And it doesn't matter whether it's one that's come in and gone out since anyone that made the list is fair game for this. So let's sort of let's pull up our sleeves and I suspect this is going to get a bit more heated because uh, it's it's more contemporary and I think a lot of people in this room have very strong feelings about it so Tony let's break some ice here and say if you could what is your favorite film to come in this year on the list and why I think without question it's Dunkirk um, because I just think Dunkirk is the best film of the year I don't think anything's going to top that in the next couple of months uh, I think I think it's one of the best films of recent years, actually, and um, it get, I know I know it's really divided opinion. Dunkirk it has really split people down the middle. There are as many people who have said that Dunkirk is rubbish and pretentious toss and all this kind of goodness knows what than people who have said it's brilliant. I I genuinely don't know what film those people saw. I I really don't get it at all. I think Dunkirk was a masterpiece of just in all proportions. Really, you know the minimalism of it, the 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 pure terror of the sound design on that film the visuals the, the the way you know the way it's not linear the way nolan constructs the, the narrative the, the sheer epic scale of it which you know is more like old film films of old you know the david lean kind of things that he's always loved i just think that it's a fantastic movie and i, I just don't think anything anything comes close to dunkirk this year at all so with that in mind then graham you've already answered this i suspect when you picked your favorite movie on the list of all time <laughs> But I'm going to ask you again, just in case. So, favorite movie this year that made the IMDb 250? It's not that because it, because technically it was released in 2016. So curveball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, right? I don't know. 2049. I, I like that you have to clarify the 1982 version was not released this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? No, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. No. Changed my mind. I saw what the I I just remember what the rest of this was. Logan. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's the best way to end the film franchise for a character, even though it's probably not going to end forever. If only. If only. I, li- I like that this is the same answer you gave for War for Van the Apes as well, actually. Yeah, I want to see the oh, end of all franchises. It's just franchise killer. I want to see Logan going to war against apes. Logan is. I, I just absolutely adored it. I thought it was the perfect. <laughs> potential send off again. I'll say that because we don't know what Fox will do. Oh my god, they're both by Fox. They're both by 20th Century Fox. You've He's bought and paid for ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just, money. <laughs> I've always loved Hugh Jackman. The the moment he arrived on screen in X-Men 17, 18 years ago. Jeez. <laughs> You're uh, X-Men 17. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it feels like that. It's been like 17, years, all in high school. 17 18 years. Um, he's aged the best out of all of them. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Stewart would disagree with that. <laughs> That's great. I would disagree too. Yeah. Ian McKellen. No, no. Um, I just I, I love the character of Wolverine. I did think he started to get overused and they didn't explore him enough. But as they started going to the solo films, they had the problems with the first solo film, Wolverine Origins. 
but it's just like every time he, he shows up, he never gives a bad performance. He never does anything bad. It the the film might not be good, but even the character, even even I'm so bad at this. Uh, I love Logan. I love Logan. <laughs> <laughs> much like much like Brick loved Lamp. <laughs> and I feel like I'm that right now. You can have loud noises. I absolutely adored this film. I was in absolute tears at the end of it. Wow. Um, it's just, again, it's, it's the fact that I saw him when I was a child. I've adored the character since I was a child. And to see... He's the only actor to ever portray the same character for so long. Rocky! That, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Rocky! Rocky. Uh, 40 years, man. Yeah, but there's large gaps. William Shatner played Kirk for how long? Large gaps. <laughs> what about... Not really! Harrison no. Ford and Deckard, though. Isn't that like... And <laughs> Indiana Jones. Two films. <laughs> Indiana anyway, Jones sorry. for how that, long? Okay, he's had the most films. <laughs> what? Does that work? Rocky. Rocky. Does that work? Rocky. <laughs> no, there's been more X-Men films because he's in every single X-Men film. <laughs> Under certain criteria, <laughs> Leave Graham alone. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Graham. Um, He's already struggling for words. Yeah. Uh, so that no, numbers. Hugh it's Jackman, okay, who has never done anything wrong in his <laughs> life. <has laughs> not. Lemis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I was gonna. No, Lemis. He's not a problem in Lemis. There are plenty Russell of problems. Russell Crowe is loving it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I, I loved how we, I loved the whole thing, and this was brilliant. I loved, I loved okay. it. Right. So with that, mind, you guys. <laughs> Grace, what is your favorite movie from the past year to have made the list? Um, I'm not sure if this counts as a 2017 movie, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Handmaiden, by far. I love The Handmaiden. I was like, I, I think I said this when we recorded the podcast for it, mm. but I think I got maybe about 27 minutes in and was just like literally gazing with heart eyes at the screen. Everything about it is sublime. And I found the perfect description of it actually in a review I read after we recorded the podcast, which described it as the psychosexual lesbian revenge drama of your dreams. Mm. I can't describe it any wow. better than that. <laughs> so, yes, I loved it. So, um, so Niall. Could, wait a minute. So it has to have come out this year and joined the list, or can I pick Song of the Sea? You can pick Song of the Sea. Anything that entered the, the list since Even the start of recording. Even oh, okay, all right. yes. uh, uh, Not ever, Alex. <laughs> That, that was the last round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm picking the song to see because it is the finest animation that this country has ever produced. It is an extraordinary tale. It is beautifully rendered and the music is incredible. The story is heartbreaking. Uh, it's go it's unafraid to go dark, which is, you know, which is wonderful in a children's story. To, it, it has, it deals with loss in a way that I haven't seen Irish film do on screen. Um, it's It was rightly uh, Oscar nominated, it was cruelly lost, but it's, it is an extraordinary story and it is a sign of a studio that is so secure and so uh, aware of who they are and where they're going. And so the breadwinner cannot come soon enough. Mm. All right then, so Jay, of the films that made the list this year, which one is your favorite? Uh, that would have to be La La. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> for all you La La. Um, I don't know how aggressive this round is already gone. I know, I know, I know. Um, of the films this year, I would probably put Moonlight uh, on it. Which was in for all of three hours. Yeah, well, that, that sounds about right. Uh, given IMDb and how it goes about its I'm business. I'm sorry, La La La. Um, yep. 
Wow. Yeah. Moonlight's an interesting one because there's a kind of hype about films that happen all the time, particularly in Oscar time. So watching it, it was kind of one of those things you'd hope is going to live up to it. And initially, I was kind of a little worried, but half an hour in, I was like, okay, this is a, a little bit cliched or whatever, but it has this really interesting and powerful cumulative power because because of the way it sections off its film, that what goes before informs what goes after. And by the time it gets to the, the third segment, and perhaps the best segment of it, 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 what's gone before really, really hits home with everything else that's gone, a- gone after. Beautifully filmed, really sensual, really gorgeous film. And, like, yeah, it, it deserved to win the Oscar, clearly, because it's miles better than that. Uh. <laughs> but then so is literally everything on that. <laughs> I agree. So. It, it won the Oscar, Jay? <laughs> can, can I just ask Jay, which is higher? Um... <laughs> well, La La Land is on the list. Oh, La La Land is on the, 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 the list. Moonlight oh, is gone. Okay. Okay. Cool. Just want to stir the pot. All right, Moonlight. then. While talking about stirring the pot there, Jay, um, yes. Phil, if you had to pick, what is your favorite <laughs> movie that came in this year? Why should I bother? I've got two people already against it. Uh, La La Land. I love it. I absolutely adore I like this it. film. I'm not talking about you. It's not all about you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, it's a film that gave me so much joy from start to finish, which is what I look for so often from the cinema. It, um, it's just, it's bright and it's happy and it's, it is full of joy, but at the same time, it opts to uh, go down some, some roles that you don't necessarily expect from a musical. Um, it goes dark when it has to. And um, so, in that sense, I think it's just a bit more—it's a bit more self-aware than uh, than some people give it credit for. I think Gosling's quite good. I think Stone is she's a delight, and the songs are catchy. The score—I'll grant that the score itself is probably a little overpraised, but still, it infects the mind, and uh, it's all breezily shot and choreographed beautifully, and uh, I love it. And someone's humming it right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> it is not me, by the way. Just there, yeah. <laughs> it's Andrew. <laughs> I'm not. That's it. Oh, I know. All right, then. So, Alex, of the films that made the list this year, which is your favourite? I'm going to have to pick Arrival, just because I felt it was one again that I'd sort of heard about and felt lived up to the hype, kind of like what you were saying. Did you think it was a theme park? <laughs> what I was going to this say is, and I was going to like. That's a dour theme gonna, park. I was going to bring it back to Jurassic Park and what I was saying earlier. Ah, because wow. it, it, it sort of wasn't. Did you as, see this in the future? It wasn't as good as, as um, Jurassic, Jurassic Park and then sort of bringing up that like sense of wonder. But there was a, an element of that, I thought. And I thought what was really good is we, so many times we've seen aliens come to Earth. It's like literally been the most basic sci-fi movie from my since the day the earth stood still whenever that came out years ago 56 56, exactly and I think to sort of take that and tell people or even sort of to hear oh there's this movie it's about aliens who come to earth and you kind of think I've seen that I've seen that in a million different ways a million different times why should I go see this one and you're just told oh no it's really good you have to go you have to go and going and actually finding yeah it, it did something new to it it was like Okay, it's not the most perfect film. I don't know if it should be on the list of 250 top time, but of this particular list, that was the one I liked the most. All right, then. Thank you, Alex. Marianne? Um, I'm going to say your name, because that's what I wrote down in my notebook before I got here. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to think it on my feet. But we've talked about it already. I'm but sure it, that it is. <laughs> it's a great movie. I'm really pleased that it's like hanging out comfortably there in the top 100, and I hope it stays there for a while. All right, then, that's very succinct. So, Babu, if you were to pick one of the movies that came out this year, which is your favorite to make the list? 
I think to be honest, the I saw it twice recently because um, the girlfriend was away, so I had to go again. Um, Blade Runner, two thousand forty-nine. Uh, partly because I, I remember seeing the original, and it flopped, and uh, the sequel was come out and it's flopped. Yeah. And uh, and both were visually stunning. I, I felt. Um, yeah, I mean the second one is is a bit long. But uh, I'd recommend seeing it in the afternoon. I like the nod of agreement from even people who liked it in the room. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I liked it. I just, as I say, it would be interesting to see. One of the stories about the, the first film was that uh, a lot of the, you know, the neon lighting and the advertisements that show were on screen, like companies that were there, like Atari and these kind of things. Pan Am. <laughs> All gone. Mm. <laughs> So they're thinking there, and I was watching the film looking, Seiko, will that be there? Mm. <laughs> well, to be fair, Pan Am is advertising in the film, and Atari is advertising. Yeah, Atari is yeah. in the film again. So it's very is much, it? and, yeah. Yeah, and the um, Soviet Ballet is in town. Atari's back, though. So yeah. <laughs> 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 no more alcohol for you, man. That was a very strong warm armor agreement there. No, they, they just mentioned the curse of the, the previous film, and mm. they were thinking, mm. well, well, the same thing happened, but I really enjoyed it, and it's uh, it's a shame that it it's, um, it didn't do as well. I think maybe in the rest of the world it will do a lot better than it did in America. Well, it's already done quite well in the UK and Irish box yeah, office. Yeah, it's done very well here. Yeah, it'll do great in China. Yeah, <laughs> it's being released before Singles Day over there, uh, which really? is the eleventh of November, actually. Which one one one. What Singles Day? Uh, it's just like anti Valentine's Day, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like a movie. It's the perfect. Bring me over, my girl. The perfect <laughs> number <laughs> of children. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Build so, yeah. yourself a girlfriend to go to. So yeah, oh, God. maybe perfect anti. marketing. For yeah. The best place to see the best film to watch on your own. Because it's too long. <laughs> All right, on to our final question of the night, and perhaps our most contentious, I suspect. So, of the films that came in this year, if you could take one of them out and replace it with any other film that had been released this year, any film that had come in, it come out, doesn't have to have been on the list, you know, just as long as it was released in cinemas between last October and this October, and to be honest, we're going to be pretty lenient and say Irish-American cinemas, we don't care. We just want to hear what you thought was, you know, the best movie that didn't reserve recognition and what you would have bumped out in its place. So, Tony, we're going to throw you into the fray here. <laughs> Me first. What would you take out and what would you replace it with from the past year? So yeah, I uh, I think I would take it. Funnily enough, I'd take out the film that I was on the 250 talking about, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I don't think is a bad, bad film. Don't get me wrong. I, re I really don't. There was enough to like about it, but I don't think it warrants being on a list like this at all, really. Um, I, th I think it's... I don't think it's great. Um, so, you know, I, th I, th I think... I just think it's flawed, and I think it's not really got the magic of the original. But I think in its place, I would put um, David Lowry's A Ghost Story, which really shocked me in terms of how good it was. I mean, nod, yes. <laughs> and again, it's another one of those that's really split people down the middle. A lot of people have gone, well, it's a bit stupid, isn't it? Just this. Casey Affleck in a sheet, to be clear. Like, just. <laughs> Casey Affleck in a sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just walking around going, Ooh. Rooney Mara eating yeah. pie. Yeah. Um, just in case you haven't seen the movie, yeah. um, just to give a sense of context. It's. <laughs> it's, it, it's unusual, to say the least, but I, I, I was really moved by it. 
and I, it was not what I expected whatsoever. And I think it's just got a beautiful, you know, elegiac sense to it, you know, in, in so many ways, the passage of time and, you know, just the pure sadness of the whole thing. And, and it says a lot, you know, it's doing a lot. It's got a really haunting, beautiful score as well by, um, I think, Daniel Hart. So, yeah, I think a ghost story should be up there, really, um, as maybe a slightly under-recognised and underseen gem this year. So, Graham. Yes. What would you... <laughs> just because... No, it's me. It's just because you picked that corner of the room to sit in. It really seems like... <laughs> no, no, no we're, all, we're all picking on you, Graham. Um, no, it is literally because you picked that corner of the room to sit in. Um, so, if, what would you take out and what would you put in? Um, to take out... It's, it's funny enough, the one that I would... T- films that I would take out I have actually already gone... I mean, I suppose, like, I like La La Land, but I think I would take that out. I would take La La Land out. And I would like to put back in, uh, honestly, Wonder Woman. I would like, I, for several reasons, I really like the character. I don't, she's never had a proper live-action uh, presence. They've tried multiple times, as I've learned from listening to various podcasts, five separate times on TV. Um, uh, film has never come to fruition even though Joss Whedon was involved uh, and then saying to be praised uh, Patty Jenkins finally got the job and delivered what could be considered the Superman of Wonder Woman films uh, I'm speaking of course of uh, Richard Donner's Superman Patty Jenkins I think for generations to come will be known in that will be regarding that same kind of club she will have brought Wonder Woman to such a mass audience in such a wonderful way, um, just like Richard Donner brought Superman to a mass audience back in the, in the 70s. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole film. Um, again, I will say I'm, I'm an emotional person, so there were points that I was brought to tears, and I was surprised at that. The moment where she climbs up onto No Man's Land was oddly powerful. I, do, I, I don't understand to this day why I thought it was as powerful as it was. Some people who are maybe smarter than me that are in this room who are laughing at me right now. Not you. <laughs> the, the, the audience the, can't see uh, who Graham is pointing at. It's all of them. For, for, for the jury, yeah. might say... I haven't seen this. I can't judge. No, no, sorry. No. Um, I just, I really enjoyed... Stop it. Sorry. Your opinions are wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I really adored Wonder Woman. And also, as a, as a just a kind of odd note that I don't know if anyone will really uh, agree with... I think it's fair to stick in a female director. Like, have we talked about female directors tonight? Like, no, uh, well, I, I, I mentioned Julie Dash. Yeah. There's precious few of them on the 250. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's that's another reason why I think she because she did such a spectacular job with Wonder Woman. I thought it just it was everything. And people say it who aren't fans of the DCEU. It saved DCEU. It's Zack it's, Snyder forever. <laughs> Get out there. You, 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 <laughs> It was just, it was a, it's just, it's a brilliant film. I'm really glad it exists. I'm annoyed it took this long to make it, because she's been around almost as long as both Batman and Superman. And, yeah, and I'm just glad that it was able to shut down a lot of the haters who were like, oh, Gal Gadot cannot act, she doesn't suit the role physically, all that. Um, It's just a fantastic film, and that's what I would stick in. And I would take out La La Land. 
That's probably the thing that surprised me the most was Gal Gadot. Really. Yeah, because like I, I've seen her. Gal Gadot. It's a hard tea. Israeli hard tea. I'm not accepting that. <laughs> yeah, I might live my life a certain way. I can't. I can't be just like that. Like everything else, you have really so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we 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 pronounce it how we. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, because I'd seen her in like the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, so yeah like, they don't oh, care much on that. They're putting her um, kind of front and center yeah. in the movie. This is going to be bad. It was not. <laughs> she was really good. She was. She was. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know why I sound quite so surprised. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Fast and Furious. Well, Dar- Darren made the point she's like. She's a great character in the Fast and Furious. But she's also treated as an object in the Fast yeah. and Furious. Yeah. You know, she's. Uh, are you seeing these people I, I in those movies? <laughs> No, they're just cars and non-moving cars. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite unusual to see uh, a female lead being allowed to like let the physical dominate her performance. Like I feel like that's something you don't see very often. But Godot was perfect for it. It was great. It's Godot. It's <laughs> not. <laughs> it's pronounced bucket. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, very physical character, mm. and I was watching that. I was thinking, this is really good. The fight sequences were incredible in that. Much more than I'd say Wonder Woman to a certain extent. I don't even necessarily mean the fight sequences. I mean that Godot does a lot of her acting just like with her face. Yeah, with I mean, if you take and just look at emotive. like, if you just look at like her line delivery, fine. But she does this like fantastic thing whenever she's knocked over where she kind of rolls her neck slightly and it just says like, oh no, you didn't. And, <laughs> and it happens, and it's just like, it's subtle, but it's gr- like, I mean, you know, you could kind of quibble on the action sequences in Wonder Woman. They actually weren't my favorite, but her as a presence just worked yeah. really You need that to play a superhero yeah. though. Yeah, Gina yeah. Carano and Hayward. That's, oh yeah. The pick I had yeah. Before, before I saw Gal Gadot, Gina Carano was my choice for Wonder Woman. I thought she could have done it. Because Haywire, she has that yeah. physical presence. Yeah. You know, so. But she's not a great actor. No, 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 she's like, not. And I, I like her, but I don't think she's a great actor. No. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a bit embarrassing because my two picks were exactly the same as his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, take out La La Land and burn every copy of it ever made. Um, and I, I don't feel like that was exactly his no, position. No, that's not what I said. I still like La La Land, I'll but just, I just don't think it should deserve it. I'll, I'll take your position in this game. Yes. You can burn them away. Burn them away. Um, no, because at this stage, I'm like, you know, I, I, I really... I've complained a lot about La La Land. It annoys me, but yeah, anyway. Um, moving on. Uh, yeah, I would love to see Wonder Woman put back in, but given that we, we've already mentioned this and, and for all of the no, reasons... No, this helps me you write more. Okay, great. <laughs> well, I can articulate. I think um, in terms of the No Man's Land sequence that you mentioned, the thing that I found really moving about that was that they'd gone to such extreme lengths to show how... Um, not just how hopeless the situation was for everyone involved, as in all of the people who were affected, but how powerless everyone felt to do anything about it, to the extent that they become willfully disillusioned and almost disengaged from all the horror around them, thinking there's nothing we can do, like, that's just how it is. We just have to leave it, and so there comes this really beautiful moment when she's just like, well, no, like, I'm not just going to stand here and do nothing. So, that, like, it's, it's that moment when you see an actual hero kind of rise from the ashes. And I think, as well, on an emotional level, the fact that she's wearing, um, oh, what's her name? And Antiope's her aunt's headdress yeah, yeah. too. Like there's there's a sentimental moment in that too as well. But yeah, given we've already mentioned Wonder Woman, I think the other film I would actually quite like to see back in is Arrival because I loved Arrival. I think it's a beautiful, masterly film. I think Amy Adams is the most underappreciated actress of her time. Where is her campaign for her Oscar? I say like the great everyone. Lane. 
campaigning about Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio getting his Oscar. Where's our outrage truck for Amy Adams? For which movie? Uh, <laughs> but, but that was the thing, is, is that She's Nocturnal Adams... Adams. Nocturnal Adams. Adams. <laughs> 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 Nocturnal Adams. She is amazing. I want to see Nocturnal Adams. She is, Adam. she is amazing. Nocturnal yeah. Adams, simply from her presence. Yeah. Uh, simply from her yeah. Um So yeah, it, it, it kind of split the vote, I guess. Mm. Um, and she picked the wrong movie. <laughs> You know, kind of like that time DeCap should have won an Oscar for The Departed, but stupidly decided to go with Blood Diamond instead. Mm. Messy. Well, anyway. Like when Kate wins that one for, what was it? The Reader? The Reader. The Reader, the reader is yeah. a revolutionary road. Like, the Reader's mm. not, about, not a good film. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think Arrival is, is sublime. Just, you know, it's very, it's, it's very, I don't know, like peaceful or, or poetic mm. take on that kind of genre. And that's not something we see very often, like what you were saying. Um, what Alex was saying, sorry. So, um, yeah, that would be my pick then. And also Wonder Woman. It's interesting that Dave Villeneuve gets two chances in this. Mm. That's not nothing. Well, I don't. That's because he makes everything. He, <laughs> he makes literally yeah. every film. He is the 250s Danny Villeneuve. Our first podcast. <laughs> oh, that is nice. yeah. Our first podcast was covering Prisoners, uh, which is on the list, and nobody picked to remove. To I'll be absolutely clear, just too many. Hey, the cinematography is sublime. So uh, for that reason alone, is Roger Deakins, Deakins for the Prisoners. Yeah, and I was uh, for a film that's eight hours long. It's been. <laughs> we watched the Prisoners, so and I was like, stuff. "What is this movie?" I, I thought we were. I thought we were doing a podcast about the 250 best movies. <laughs> I've never heard. of I'll always love it for the fact that there's a detective called Detective Loki. Yeah. And, and he lives in the child murder capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> he solves no less than, no less than three oh, child head. murders that are unrelated to the child murder he's investigating. <laughs> yeah, it's like first we have to go around so and question all of the child molesters. So, oh, oh God. Lock up Is Paul that a book? For <laughs> yeah. Clues. Although, for torturing Paul Dano alone, it deserves to be in the list. On that note, that's, then, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's not fair. Uh, I'm glad the Spider-Man Homecoming is gone from the list. In fairness, you know, of the films that mm. came in, I'm very glad that it's gone out again because it does not deserve to be in here. It's a fine film, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's it's a placeholder. It was to get, it was a way to get Spidey and Marvel and all the rest to act together. And I like Michael Keaton as a as a villain, but it's no, it's. It, it's not. It never deserved to be in the two fifty. It just. It just didn't. It's. It's not much like most of the two fifty. Oh, really, that, that's true. No. Hey. But if I, if I had to put a film into the two fifty, to I uh, because it's I like a, you make it sound like an obligation. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to, forced <laughs> for for multiple reasons. There's Ireland is underrepresented in the list, and as an, and, you know, because that's my thing. I have to have an Irish film. Um, Documentaries are woefully. Um, documentaries are technically excluded from the list. Yeah, so that's but they should be in the list. Why? That's like a foot re disclaimer. No, no, no. They're a film. No, no. You didn't are read your not? terms and conditions, once, Niall. Once, once a year, somebody, some smart Alec, removes the documentary tag from Koi Nascati so it can jump in at number eighty-three. <laughs> then somebody else adds the documentary tag so it can be pulled back what, out. Why? Um, that's, that's, that's a different question. That's a different debate. Yeah, and a different yeah. podcast. Well, <laughs> if it, documentary is a form of filmmaking, so it deserves to be in there on that basis alone. Well, to be fair, um, the Terminator 2 ride at Universal Studios was on the list for a year and a half. A year and a half. That's amazing. Somebody put a tag on it. Moonlight was in for three hours. <laughs> Have any of you guys seen it, though? It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's incredible. incredible. <laughs> 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 There's actors running around. I was there three years ago. I loved it. This is the list we're 
discussing. <laughs> With a theme park ride. You knew what you were getting into, Philip. Well, I did in not. Based on Haunted Mansion. This is insanity. Stop it now. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of I'm putting the fire. Country bears. And I'm saying, screw you crazy country bears. <laughs> better get out of here. What's your choice? I'm saying, screw the rules. I'm putting the fireless in there. It meets multiple criteria for selection. It's Irish. It's brilliant. It's directed by a woman. So we're putting it in because all of those things are underrepresented in the list, and it is extraordinary. Especially the applause track at this point. Everyone agrees with this. It's such a moving testament to the ingenuity of mankind and to what doing something like that, doing a project like that means to the people who are involved in it. And it, and it, it captures their journey, the, the people who are involved in this extraordinary event of turning two things out into the universe that will outlive us all. They'll, the Voyager 1 and 2 will outlive the planet. They, they will be traveling forever. And so to, they will stand as a testimony to what mankind can do and what mankind can stand for when we decide that we don't want to be absolute pricks to one another. It is... Never happened. <laughs> We're, I mean, this isn't us talk, for God's sake. No, we... I love you. We, we don't like Lala. <laughs> <laughs> We're monsters. We be important <laughs> Perhaps for humanity's greatest hope. <laughs> no, in fairness, in fairness, it does what Interstellar should, what tries to do, and it sent love yeah. into the universe, and that is, that for that alone, it is wonderful. It's a wonderful yeah. message. Another so, applause director. Maybe put that at the end. Buckle <laughs> 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 with a bow. We're going back into the bitterness here. Right? <laughs> uh, love has gone out into the universe, and there's none left in the room. Jay. <laughs> If you could take out one film from the past year, only one, okay, and, uh, and add something in its place, what would you take out? What would you add? Um, I guess it'd be easy to take La La Land out, but it's already been taken out in a Twice. theoretical sense. So really, it's been shot in the head. Yeah, so it's fine. Um, to bring a, a tiny, the tiniest bit of balance to the list, I think we could take Dunkirk out and take a Nolan film out. We have fear of being lynched. Easier said than done. Also, it's not very good, so that's also another reason not to have it on the list. It's we're all, there's a lot of people going to be very embarrassed about the reviews for that in about two years time um, so I'm fine with that getting kicked so we'll, we'll get rid of that um, <laughs> to put in of the films that are listed that kind of gone does it have to be the films that are listed or is it any film from 2016 oh to add on is any film oh. any film alright okay well I'm not arguing with Wonder Woman I quite enjoyed that as blockbusters go away that was good didn't particularly like Arrival, but anyway. Um, I'd probably, I've already mentioned you Moonlight. You're a friend, and then boom, shoot. I'd, I've already mentioned Moonlight, moonlight so uh, I won't uh, kind of mention it again. But I'd probably, uh, off the list out there, I'll probably get out, because uh, it, 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 it stood up to repeated viewings, which I was kind of, not necessarily surprised by, but when I watched it first, I really enjoyed it. But I thought maybe the second time out, it wouldn't kind of work as well, and it kind of did. And I was kind of surprised that it was, it, it kinda, it's a robust film. Um, and really enjoyable so it, yeah get out probably get, get in there for me alright then so Phil if you could take just one film that made it onto the list this year out and put any other film on in its place from the past year okay uh, well of the films that are listed uh, my choice to get the boot is Arrival <laughs> uh, what 
This is uh, revenge. <laughs> no, uh, this is common sense. I hate it. It's a film that is all one uh, structural gambit, which for me doesn't work. I will put it this way. My favourite composer of modern times is Max Richter, and it made me hate a Max Richter track. Ooh. Not least because it keeps playing on the nature of daylight. From the first frame, it's like, here's your sad strings. You're going to cry at this film if I have to attach a tank to your tear ducts and rip them out. You are going to cry. Uh, I just think it's emotionally manipulative. Uh, actually quite cynical once it's boil it down uh, Amy Adams uh, saves does her best to save the film she's terrific in it the effects are great but after that I just think it's very uh, I think Villeneuve is for me a man who is wearing he's the emperor wearing no clothes um, yeah I really hate the rival I must say saying it's been thrown around so often tonight but uh, you know there's clearly a lot of directors who are clearly in, the, in that position mm -hmm. My choice to put in a film, uh, my favourite film of last year, and uh, a director who it, I'm surprised to find this to appear on the list at all, esoteric as he might be, is uh, Jim Jarmusch's uh, Patterson, which I just thought was a wonderful slice of cinematic piece, and a, a wonderful story about uh, people just trying to live out very peaceful, humdrum, everyday lives and finding joy and inspiration in it. I think it's a wonderful lesson for us all, and uh, it brought me immense joy and peace. More of that, please. All right then. So, sorry, Alex. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, Patterson. Uh, that's the Adam Driver film. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Wonderful. Adam Wonderful. Driver plays a cab driver called Patterson in Patterson, New Jersey. <laughs> driver in Driver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patterson and Patterson. Imaginative, huh? So yeah. From well, from the last year, because like I think Patterson came out. 2016. Yeah, well, in, in, in the past. Yeah, it's like in the past year. Chronologically, like, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Does that change everything? No. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly. Ha. Um, the Just one I'm going to have to remove, even though it's already been removed, is La La Land. <laughs> yes. Oh God, that's we old. grow stronger because <laughs> burying that movie. It's a shampoo. At this commercial. point, it's <laughs> <laughs> a great shampoo. I killed what? it. Grace buried it. No, Grace burnt it. Uh, I, I Jay buried, buried it. <laughs> Yeah. And Alex has urinating on his grave. Has salted it. Salted the earth. So, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think everything's already been said about it. Uh, <laughs> say more, though. I say it's a shampoo I commercial because I remember sitting in the cinema watching those like stupid Australian shampoo which always air right before which the always film. air right before yeah. the film, and not being able to genuinely like, oh, has this film begun yet, or am I still watching this like utter shallow? Sorry about Marianne, jump in. But, yeah, I, what no, I, I'm about to say, like, no one has actually ar actually articulated why they dislike it so much, and to that I say, don't worry, I'm ready. But, <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Like, I just don't think it belongs to the 250. I liked it. I just don't think it belongs to the 250. That's all. No, I, I think I think it's it's a triumph of, of marketing. That's an ad. That's, that's two that's glossy people dancing around. But I think the thing that kills it for me is that they're aping those, like, fun musicals from the 1950s in a way that feels so sort of cynical, in a way that feels so kind of like, oh shit. You know what everyone needs mad now? Two pretty white kids dancing around and falling in love with each other. And I get what you're saying about it has moments of darkness, but it doesn't really. They have a fight in the middle where they like talk about, oh, I want to go be a... I want to go save jazz. Like it's it's so so. <laughs> hey, we had John so, Legend. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'll I'll, I'll just, say any more. I, in it. the saving jazz thing, just watch the cold open from Saturday Night Live from a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, Ryan Gosling. 
Ryan Gosling is the special guest on Saturday Night Live, and he goes on and on and on and on about how he saved jazz, and it's the worst repetitive joke imaginable. And then Emma Stone joins him. Yeah. Oh my God! It is travesty of TV. No, but I mean, I'm it made not... me hate La La Land retrospectively because of that thing. I, I thought it was grand. We're up to five now, people. <laughs> I think that's like to summarize the hatred of of. La La Land for me personally is that I don't hate musicals I like the 19 I like 1950s musicals there's plenty of musicals that are great but I think this particular one is such a sort of cynical exploitation of like yeah, oh they, you know they, people like doing this stuff again let's 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 make something that hits on all these notes and like win. and the idea that it's ever going to be remembered as well it's sort of it's it's an ad for me anyway um the <laughs> one that delight. I would the one I would stick on <laughs> I like that Andrew has been relatively quiet for most of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's just pulled a shiv in a podcast service. You can hear the teeth grinding. Yeah. On this is what the episode on La La Land was like. It was like, Darren is like... I liked it a lot. Yeah, Darren, Darren liked it a lot. He's like, I've got one small reservation. I was like, careful, Darren. <laughs> was Philip on the episode? No. Oh, okay. But the one I'd stick in, and it's hard one, because this year has been a bit of a mixed bag for like films. There's a lot of films that I like, but none that I love, you know, in that way. And sort of finding one to stick actually on. I would agree, the farthest, although I'm going to stick with your rules, like the farthest, don't see the farthest. <laughs> My rules. I'm no rule breaker here. I'm going to say, actually, Hunt for the Wilder People, just because I saw it again recently. Uh, yeah, it's good to stick that on as a like good example of something that isn't, Cynical and is life affirming and is sort of yeah so and has some genuinely catchy songs in it yeah unlike La La Land am I right seen that room I think that gives us a nice segue hi guys let me tell you about how much I hate La La this is Marianne, by the way. Um, no, yeah, I would take La La Land off this list. It's just um, amazing. It's like, I, and I say this as someone who loves musicals. Gone to my head, I could not sing a song from La La Land. Like, and if even if I could, I'd be like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm humming another day of song right now. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you seen it? What? How many times have you seen it? He's so mad. <laughs> wow, seriously? Um, yeah, like, I, you know, I, I couldn't sing a song from it. If you're going to build something to me as a musical, it, like, I have to, like, be able to hum some of the songs from it when I'm coming out of it. I agree that it was just, like, kind of incredibly cynical. Like, and just because it's coming from Hollywood, it was such a, like, self-congratulatory, like, oh, the magic of Hollywood. Like, surely this will get many Oscars. Yeah, I hated it. And I... The thing is, I love Emma Stone. I find Ryan Gosling very charming most of the time. I hated them both. I didn't care about what happened to them. I just had no investment in their story at all. So that's La La Land. Goodbye. Do you think IMDb will, like, listen and be like, we get it, guys. You guys send these podcasts to IMDb. We we curate the list of night in our time. These randos. There's one Irish podcast with me, OTT. Ryan Gosling is in the back crying. <laughs> Jason was about I've never seen him cry. Jason's neck was about to break with nodding and all the very there. It was very good. Break a snap from grinding. Um, yeah, and I won't. 
No, but I, there's more. There's, there's more. There's always more. I, I think it's been said. I think it's been said. Um, I didn't actually. I didn't realize that the rules were that it could be any movie from 2016, so I did not bother to think of any that I'd seen. But I would. The last year. Of the movies that had come have come off the list, um, if I had to like basically like put something in instead of La La Land, I think it would be Get Out. Um, I don't think it's like one of the greatest movies of all time, but I think it's incredibly sharp. It's like incredibly dark, but also funny. Great performances. And I think in terms of like horror movies, like speaking to a zeitgeist or like exploring like widespread societal anxieties of the time, like nail on head. Great movie. All right then. Um, so that just leaves Babu. Um, so Babu. Babu. And, <laughs> you have to say La La Put La La Land back on. Be taken off the list. You can put it back. <laughs> no pressure. So Babu, if you could pick one movie to take off the list from the past year, and one movie to put on, even though La La Land is still on there, is it? Don't there? you pressure him not to do it. What would you do? What would you do? <laughs> Look at Philip's tears. Oh, like a ticking uh, bomb. What would you do? What would you do? <laughs> now, I, I think that, yeah, La La Land would probably be my choice as well. Not, <laughs> not because um, I, I, I didn't particularly hate it, to be honest. It's just that if you're looking at 250 films that are supposedly some of the best films of all time, uh, La La Land probably wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> yeah. I like the soft-spoken nature of the <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I, you know, Ryan Gosling, you know, this idea that I don't believe it's cynical because, you know, as um, with Blade Runner, the recent one, they all imagined that it was going to make loads of money and it didn't. So nobody really, and that kind of showed you that nobody really knows what's going to be successful and nobody knows, you know, so I don't think they thought, oh, this is going to make loads of money. And Ryan Gosling really... Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you think the different types of movies that he makes, there's no guarantee that La La Land was going to be a, a success that it, you know, it did become. So, but yeah, I didn't think that it deserved to be on that 250. What would I replace it with? Well, you mentioned earlier Nocturnal Animals, was it the Tom Ford mm. movie? Mm. I would have put that in. That's you know, I found that interesting <laughs> and enjoyable. Well, enjoyable probably isn't the word. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Uh, it it's was, beautiful, though. It is. Yeah, it's just... You know, for a guy who's not a filmmaker, he makes a really good films, you know, as a director, I think, anyway. So. It helps that Shannon McGarvey, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> really phenomenal. I think that's the trick to movies, just get people who don't make movies to make them our <laughs> <laughs> campaign to get Jay to make a movie to, to do the Truffaut move stop complaining about movies and start making them get yeah, off the exactly. <laughs> so we say what do you do in the day I make suits okay do you want to go and make a film okay yeah. it worked and they look yeah. very pretty yeah. <laughs> well, he cuts his cloth to measure both ways so hey. <laughs> oh. Alright, so with that, with that in mind then we sort of reached the end of the questions, but is there anything that anybody else would like to say or talk about when it comes to the list, as in the films that make it up, the films that are missing from it Which is your favourite podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Relating to the two I, I feel the need to point out though, like of all the people who took all the films off the list not one person picked Hacksaw Ridge that was I didn't see it. I haven't seen, seen, seen it. I, I, I have no I've interest in giving Mel Gibson money I, I loved it when Same. I saw it, so. 
That was my big surprise, is that, yes, Ryan Gosling is guilty of more sins. I actually, no, I actually, I actually thought about taking it off, just, even though I hadn't seen it. Yeah. But oh, I decided yeah, not yeah, to. Yeah, no. that's very sad. Just a general principle, but I didn't. The, the biggest problem with the list, of course, is the fact that it is American-centric. It is yeah. very much of now. So, like, it's... It's populist. The, the biggest, the biggest... Um, Decade for films is this day is this one that we're in right now, and the one that we were just in. So you know it's it, it is very much of it, it reflects a particular mindset. It does, and it can be manipulated by trolls as well by yeah. these gangs of guys who as decide. The number one case shows. Be, yeah, before they've even seen the film, is, uh, and, and the big example for that was was Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters is dreadful, but they didn't I like Ghostbusters. Exactly, but the, the, but the, wasn't as bad as the, the millions <laughs> of one-star reviews that populated it before it had even come out. And yeah. so one of the things that needs to be done with for, the, for this is bef- no rating should count before the opening weekend of the film. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, that's pretty is it not? Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> And you, to be honest, you should probably also put a moratorium on terms of time because you have yeah. films that are coming in over their opening weekends, which yeah. is absolutely mm. crazy. Oh yeah, exactly. People have yeah. set up their profile in order to slay yeah. this movie yeah. that no, they haven't seen. If, if you're yeah. first, if what you've done is set up a new account and it's all one stars or all ten stars, there's something criminally wrong yeah. with you as a person and your account should be deleted. <laughs> 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 Nice. Wow! <laughs> wow! Tough love, though. is the podcast secret hard liner. Darren, not Darren? How up to date is the list that you supplied us with? Um, that could have changed in the last in terms, hour. It could have changed while we were on the podcast. I checked it this morning. <laughs> I'll have to redo okay, the podcast. So, what is your question? No, I'm just wondering <laughs> if anyone else feels this is kind of weird. There's a lot of films there, but uh, from this year, from uh, towards the tail end of last year. It isn't there, and yet it has done so fantastically. It's garnered so much praise from critics and fans alike. Is this your way of saying it, it should be there? I, I no, don't understand. I think more. it should yeah. be... I like that it is a movie you can talk about, you know, but, both referencing it directly and also as a sort of abstract now. But also it's just <laughs> weird. It's just, I thought it, I thought it would at least have come in, because it, it had such an amazing weekend. Unheard of. For any horror, like it's it's now the highest grossing horror of all time. It's probably not but I think enough. Horror is underrepresented on the list. That is true. Well. Yes, yeah. it's it seems to meet the so criteria. I yeah, don't like, understand how the metrics work. Yeah, <laughs> no one does. It's Philip does. It was what like eight point two over twenty five thousand votes or something like that. One some one of the two of us involved in the podcast, either myself or Andrew, is a bit of a numbers nerd who keeps track of this sort of thing <laughs> and who has particular preferences and knows sort of what films he's keeping an eye on so for example I know that or that this person knows that Thor Ragnarok is currently at 8.3 and is cruising to get in around 240 at the moment uh, and it was a movie that looked like it would skirt that line because it came in at 8.2 with 25,000 votes uh, it looked like it was about to make the threshold but the way that Andrew does, does that it it, it, they, wait, they wait it shall um, I explain how it works <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if the expert would step in Andrew is grabbing his flip chart now read this down Thank you for the thank you for the information there, Andrew. Um, so, according to the file that Andrew has prepared for me, um, it seems like the IMDb rates um, it has a top of thousand voters, um, and that's a system that Niall was talking about that can be easily skewed. It's based on the volume in which you vote and the films in which you vote upon. So, you vote upon popular films and you vote upon them early and often. So, you see people who tend to vote who give lots of ones out because IMDb begun implementing what you suggested, where they identify suspicious ratings. But they identify suspiciously high ratings and not suspiciously low ratings. 
So if you want to get <laughs> an account... Why? Something middling or something super low? Yeah. D- Darren, can I just ask, because I'm not, not super good at this stuff, have you just explained that this is a podcast where we argue with, like, a thousand specific people? <laughs> are, we, are, we att- are we on a battle against trolls? <laughs> <laughs> Who, like, just, this is their hobby. Yeah. And some of these thousand might actually be good people and vote logically. Yeah. No, they are. It's no logically, it's movies. It's not like, you know, oh, yes, the equation says. But, but it's, 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 the charts. I mean, for I God's sake, there are the people charts. who ate Lala. La Land. It's just the world is weird. <laughs> and none of us have come to the elephant in the room that the Shawshank Redemption is number yeah, I was one. Gonna bring that up. I did give you all the clues. I kind of admire that it's still number one. I do like too. ever. It's it's like, I don't I, I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. But it's still look that it's still there. It's been number one since for nine years. I kind of like that. All the Dark Knight fans voted the Godfather down and it let the Shawshank Redemption in. All all the Godfather fans. Fans voted the Dark Knight down. All the Dark Knight fans voted the <laughs> So down. this is why you need to remove Nolan films from the list. Oh! Is anyone in this room one of these people? <laughs> I, I have never <laughs> raised If I was wearing a tie, I'd be pulling on it nervously right now. I don't vote for the government. I'm not voting for IMDb. Yeah. Who's just like, this movie is my favourite. Fight club and smash your computer. I'm always talking about how good Robocop is, and I've never voted. But it stands to reason. Like if you think about it, the problem with the list is that you're going to find those films that people agree on, rather than the ones that maybe like you're giving tens of tens. So like tonight, for instance, we've all picked films we liked and some films we've hated. But there's actually been an incredible amount of like different films. We like it was rare enough, aside from La La Land, that we all like picked something that we all definitely hated or definitely wanted in. So it stands to reason that something that's kind of middle of the road, like Shawshank Redemption, gets all the way up there. Because you have someone who maybe thinks, oh, that's a 7 out of 10, and someone who thinks it's a, a six, 6. and Exactly. A, yeah. But it gets up there. Who's going to mark it down? Who has the heart? Exactly. Because you're not really going to say, oh, no, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's not 1 out of 10. Yeah, it's number 12. It's number 12. Come on. I'm just saying, by that logic, it's a Tom Hanks film. It's a, you know... Tugs the heartstrings. I'm surprised. A lot of people hard. hate Forrest Gump. But then it's interesting if you look at the top ten and you're kind of like, well, these are the films in our society that are the least controversial. Which is interesting <laughs> that like Fight Club is up there. You know, it's it's just kind of like if you're looking at it from perspective of these are kind of like, yeah. Well, it, it is a self-selecting group of voters. Yeah. Tends to, and if you look at the ratings, they tend to skew male. They tend to skew American. Yeah. Yeah. They tend to skew 18 to 34 years old, which White. explains Fight Club. And they like to punch each other in the face, hence Fight Club. Yeah. But it is, it's a nice barometer of that sort of, well, yeah. nice in inverted commas, but it's an interesting barometer of that sort of aspect. Be- of be- before the podcast kicked off, we had a discussion about the non-English language films that are in here, and they are all the ones you would expect them to be. They're all the ones that you would say, if you select the best 50 foreign language films of all time, they are the ones that will come up. And the, but it Postcard indie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the, the ones that Sad have been on. Life is beautiful. Yeah, the ones that have been on drama school lists for however long. You know, yeah. like Amelie and things like this. I mean, Amelie is not a good film, but still, yeah, it's you know. there on the list. I don't know. If you're looking for I most, could... if you're looking for great animated films that garner a lot of attention, it's a it's a Ghibli film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always a Ghibli film, and I love Ghibli. I love Ghibli. every single one of his films, but there are better anime films that have come out recently. That I think are starting to have learned from him. Would you care to name any of those? 
Yeah. Your the, name, the and witness, there was another one as well. Um, would the witness care to plead the fifth? Uh, but Akira isn't on the list. Yes. Akira is not on the list, you're right. Which is bananas to me because it's so seminal. Like, it's you know, been in and out. It I mean, it, it, it created it the craze of anime in, in America. It's the reason a lot of voice actors in that exist now. I like Because uh, they saw that. I like Akira, but I, I'm fine with it not being on the list. I well, have to say. How I, dare I, you? I can't dare you. I'm not you. saying it should be on no, the list, but compared to like some of the, the animated stuff, that's <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm also kind of constantly surprised that there isn't more Disney on it. Not yeah, because Pixar I'm like Pixar is very well represented. Well, it is too represented, I think. But do you think that some of that is like the actual <laughs> distribution model? So something like yeah. Toy Story Three is being seen by oh, oh, Toy Story Two. No, okay, but it's seen by so many more people. <laughs> than, Jesus, than, sorry, I really like Toy Story Two. Than Akira because of you know sure. distribution yeah. and it's been seen by so many more people who are voting yeah. on IMDb. Yeah, but like. also the, that metric of twenty five thousand being the measure of how when it enters because Akira: Wrath of God is not in there because it doesn't have twenty five thousand votes, but it would be in there if yeah. it did. That was, that was a great example. There were um, there were originally four um, Tarkovsky films on there. Then they imposed the twenty five thousand limit, and all but one. Um, disappeared wow. because those are the people who hadn't voted yeah, and like 25,000 shouldn't be a hard number to hit I think. No. but can I like genuinely ask we're all quite into film as we said but do anyone <laughs> yeah. go on to IMDB and rate film no, no. I don't no, Hello. no. no one I, does I, can I, I just I, say I, 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 I do yeah. We, uh, we said we had the discussion before that we really want to make a concerted effort to get Taffin <laughs> so if we can all do that hey the hell year. maybe so, you shouldn't be living here <laughs> let's get oh, that we have to do this want to do that do it that's the campaign. We did the maths. We would need something like 100,010 votes, but Jeez. we could do it. We can do this. Spread the word for That's just the population of swords. I think we can do <laughs> we this. We can do it, Darren. <laughs> but it is. And I mean, we were talking even about the Japan. Like, So in terms of countries that are represented, the USA is massively represented. The UK is the second most sort of still not that big, but comparatively speaking. I mean, we're, we're talking about when you land on Japan, which just about makes the ratio. It's all Akira Kurosawa or Studio Ghibli. It's all... <laughs> It is what you described as that postcard sort of foreign film. It's the foreign film that it's okay to show your parents sort of stuff. It's oh, if I could just name some of the films that aren't Ghibli. Uh, it's Wolf Children. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, Good Luck Through Time. I love Ooh, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Boy and the Beast. Uh, another recent uh, winner. Um, they're all from the same studio. A few of these are from the same studio. And... It's just because I get to see them a lot. I go to Japanese Film Festival every year. I've gotten to be good friends with Access Cinema. The Lighthouse shows a lot of these fantastic films, and they're very pre-represented. Like I'm looking through the list, and it's the same Japanese Eastern films. It always is. Mm -hmm. There's no Stephen Chow films, and I love all his. I love the majority of his work, and he's done a ton of films like Kung Fu Hustle. Um, yeah, but they're. They're grand, but they're not. 250 material? Hold on. Okay. There was a help. As Jay pointed out, he would take 152 films off this list. No, I wouldn't. I'd take 192 films off. Okay. No, but I'm saying that we're going to put in Chunking Express before we put in Shaolin Soccer. I'm sorry. I didn't say Shaolin Soccer. We already have a one car wide. I just love the fact that we're saying is it 250 worthy is it, is it worthy of this list as opposed to like a list of objectively good everything is worthy of in, this list though in that context do you know what I mean to speak in defence of the list I think we, we we saw some movies this year that we wouldn't have otherwise seen like the like the likes of Legan and Dangal yeah. Even 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 the likes of Stalker, um, four hundred blows actually. Four hundred blows, which I I, I I hadn't seen, and um, there 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 is a certain amount of representation. I 
think I think we focus more sometimes on on the egregious <laughs> negative yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. like there there is something to be said for this that is democratic. That it, like because we when we were deciding we wanted to do this podcast, we sort of said well we wanted to go through a list of good films, so we didn't pick the AFI list, we didn't pick the sight and sound list. <laughs> we picked this list because it's dynamic. Yeah. Uh, because it is representative of uh, a public vote, even if that public vote is skewed towards people who like Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. Finally, white guys get to say. But that there is there is also, to be fair, a sense that it is very slowly, not quickly enough, but changing, and that we have seen more Indian and Turkish films coming in yeah. over the past two or three years. A lot of Turkish in the bottom one hundred. Yes, there are. Uh, <laughs> they, I've they, never looked at the bottom 100. I'm curious. <laughs> oh, that's like one. Country full of my, <laughs> <laughs> my people. Yes. Um, one, one of the things is, I mean, and, the, and yeah, so so Bollywood is very much under underrepresented, considering the, the sheer the quality, vo- the sheer yeah. volume, and Nollywood as well. So yeah. the thing is that the African cinema is absolutely it's, missing yeah. from this. <laughs> I mean, the Battle of Algiers is as close as oh, you're going to get. Until you said Nollywood, I didn't know it existed. Nigerian cinema. Nigerian cinema. Yeah, 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 no, I figured yeah. out it was. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, with that in mind, then, uh, is there anything else anybody else wants to talk about with regards to this? Can we get back to La La Land? No. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I just found the movie I would put in that it's that I could have put in. I didn't realise it could be any movie. The Red Turtle, did anyone see oh, that? I did see it. Last weekend, I did a Q&A with Michael Dudak to because he was over oh, for the really? Dublin Animation Film Festival, and yeah, he is the nicest guy. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is. Because he's always underappreciated because he's super nice. nice. <laughs> because he's... <the laughs> No, no, because... No, I'm just saying, it's just, it's just you never get to know. I hear no, you, man. Because he's Dutch, he has this sort of total candor that he comes with, like, with being... The Dutch are the most honest people <laughs> not, on the planet. I lived, in, I lived in, in the Netherlands for three years, and they will never, ever couch anything. If they don't like it or like it, they will tell you. And they are the uh, they are so upfront and honest. It is a, it's brilliant. It's all, it, it's terrifying, but it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's one of the reasons that the Irish and the Dutch get on really well is because we both have that same thing, except we have a little bit of a mischievous streak to us that they don't you quite do, yeah. have. Um, <laughs> More Dutch movies on the list. You get your Robocop then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that would be yeah. great. Yeah. Showgirls. No. But, yeah, no. <laughs> but the Red Turtle... This is the top two of it. The Red Turtle is one of those marriages of Eastern sort of traditional animation with Western thinking towards it. So it has the Eastern influences of the use of negative space, the use of light and shadow, the use of, uh, of a pervading soundtrack and soundscape. But it also has the, the European sensibilities as well. But it... it with, it does. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It was the first time the studio Ghibli asked anybody outside of Japan to direct for them, and so the, the and if you haven't seen if you, the Red Turtle will be available to on VOD and all the rest, but the his uh, shorts Michael Dudakovich's shorts are available on YouTube. So Father and Son is heartbreaking. Or Father and Daughter, it's absolutely beautiful, and so I recommend checking them out alone. They're just Michael Dudakovich's shorts. Are brilliant. All right then. I think with that in mind, then we'll probably wrap up this this podcast. Uh, but in terms of uh, anybody who wants to find any of you guys online, uh, where can we find you? Starting with Graham. Uh, you can find me on Graham Geek Era um, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also at Sconon. I do some of the reviews there. Uh, I have a game website called Game Air. 
And that's very is, clever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Niall for that. <laughs> uh, and that is it for the moment. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pixie Grace. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Niall X Murphy. I will very soon have a new magazine called Sin Aaron. And uh, then I run Skinon as well. Yeah, Niall does everything, so we all kind of <laughs> jump in with him. Uh, yeah, I'm at Jay Coyle on Twitter, and I occasionally do stuff for Skinon and Sin Aaron, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> Hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> Spoiler. I occasionally write for Scanlon, but as for finding me online, good luck. <laughs> it's true. I, uh, I suppose I do a podcast called When Irish Eyes Are Watching about Irish films, and we sort of like do similar things to what we did tonight, but exclusively with Irish films. So that's on Twitter, and if you just Google it, you should find us. You can find me on Twitter at TinyOrc, and also on most <laughs> other social media. And I blog about gender, pop culture, and related things at massivehassle.com. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Tony. Thanks for having me on, Darren, for this uh, special 250. Um, I, uh, I'm a podcaster myself. I host uh, a podcast called The X-Cast, all about the X-Files, which Darren's been on a few times, um, and various other things that are coming in 2018. Plus, I'm the uh, co-editor of Set the Tape, uh, which is a, uh, a entertainment site all about movies, TV, uh, games music, things like that. So uh, you can find that at www.setthetape.com. Yeah, you won't find me online. (laughs) (laughs) Promote that man. Good luck. (laughs) All right, take it easy, guys. Uh, We'll see you next week. All right, bye. 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 All together now. (laughs)